Well, once again, happy Easter to all of you. It's just, it's just great to be together, isn't it? Nice to be able to gather to worship. I know some of you haven't been here in person in quite a while. Great for all of you who are online that you can connect with us this way too. Um, and for all of you who are guests, again, whether you're online or in person, we're just we're glad you're here. Welcome. Uh, we're really honored that you are worshiping with us today. Uh, you know, Easter is a celebration of the awesome powerful love of God by which Jesus was raised from the dead so that we could enter into the life of God and all things could be made new. And one important way that we celebrate this day is with chocolate. Lots and lots of chocolate, right? So I came across a list of rules having to do with chocolate in general and chocolate Easter eggs in particular that I thought it would be good to uh, all of us to keep in mind as we celebrate Easter this year. So first of all, chocolate-covered raisins, cherries, orange slices, and strawberries all count as fruit, so you can eat as many of them as you want. Second of all, here's a diet tip. If you would eat a chocolate Easter egg before each meal, it'll take the edge off your appetite, and so you won't eat as much. So it'll be good, right? And if calories are an issue for you, store your chocolate on top of the refrigerator. You may not have known this, but calories are afraid of heights, so they will jump out of the chocolate to protect themselves. Then you can eat it guilt-free. So that'll be good. Uh, if you can't eat all of your chocolate, it will keep in the freezer. But if you can't eat all of your chocolate, what's wrong with you? And if you get melted chocolate all over your hands, what does that mean? You're eating it too slowly. All right. <laughs> well, the Easter story, the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is an absolutely amazing story. I'm going to read it from John's Gospel in just a couple of minutes. And it's possible that some of you here have maybe never heard the full account of the resurrection of Jesus before. If so, I mean, we're just thrilled that you're here to hear it today. The rest of us, I know, are probably pretty familiar with the story. And anytime we get familiar with a story, we, it's, it's easy to kind of tune it out. You know, we know what's going to happen. We're no longer shocked or left wondering by the empty tomb. Uh, you know, we've heard it all before. And that could be a legitimate response to hearing the resurrection story again if the point of the story was primarily to give us information. You know, if the point of the story was prior, primarily to teach us a history lesson, even a very unusual history lesson. But the point of the gospel, the point of the good news is never simply or even primarily information. The point of the gospel is transformation, right? It's our transformation. The reason we celebrate with all of that chocolate today isn't just because of what happened 2,000 years ago to Jesus, as amazing as that was. The reason we celebrate with all of that chocolate is because of what can happen and is happening to us and in us right now today because Jesus rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. So here's some questions I'd like you to be thinking about as you're listening to the gospel story today, as I'm speaking, just questions to think about. First of all, how has the resurrection of Jesus changed your life? How has it changed your life? 
And then secondly, how is it changing your life today? You know, how is it still at work in you, making more change in your life? And then third, how do you hope it could change your life? Because you know, we believe Jesus wants to meet us at our point of you know, our deepest longings, our deepest need. How do you hope that the resurrection, the power of the resurrection of Jesus could change your life? That's what I want us to focus on as we hear the story of Jesus' resurrection today. So I'm going to uh, pray and then we'll read the scripture. So Lord, we just ask you to, to come now. Um, Holy Spirit, come and be with us uh, in all that we do today. I pray that you'd speak to each person right where they're at. I pray that you'd be at work in our minds, at work in our hearts, at work in our lives. I pray that you'd draw us into the reality of everything the resurrection means for us and give us hope for what it can do in our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So this is John chapter 20, and I am going to read the first 10 verses. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. She saw that the, tomb had, or that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she went running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. At that, Peter and the other disciple went out, heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. And then following him, Simon Peter also came. He entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. The wrappings that had been on his head uh, was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple who had went in, who, who, who had reached the tomb first, then also went in, saw, and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. You know, every time I read this story, I get caught up in just how amazing it really is. It's not your everyday, commonplace kind of story, is it? So, so I want to talk about that for just a minute. For the past uh, 40 days or so, all through the season of Lent, many of us here at the Vineyard have been reading through the Gospel of John. We've been doing daily readings of small sections so that over the course of Lent, we've read through the entire Gospel. And about halfway through that, in chapter 11, we read about Jesus raising his friend Lazarus from the dead. Now, it would be easy to suppose that that miracle, which Jesus performed, was not really all that different from the resurrection of Jesus himself. I mean, after all, both Jesus and Lazarus were dead. Uh, they were both in a tomb, and they, and they both came out of the tomb alive. But in reality, we're actually talking about two hugely different kinds of events. Lazarus had been sick, and then he died. A few days later, Jesus came to the tomb, had his friends remove the stone from the entrance, and commanded, Lazarus, come forth. And so Lazarus essentially then woke up 
from being dead. That was a miracle that you might call a miracle of extreme healing, right? You know, Lazarus hobbled out of the tomb. He was all wrapped up in the cloths that they wrapped people in back then when they buried them. Uh, And then Jesus told his friends to unwrap him. Lazarus was healed from death. He was alive again in the very same way he had been alive before, just a whole lot healthier. But the story of Jesus' resurrection is very different. Even when it takes place, points to the difference. It was early in the morning, at the beginning of a new day, at the beginning of a new week, when Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. And John tells us all of that for two reasons. First of all, those are details telling us that this was an eyewitness account. John's telling us what Mary told him. And in first century writing, that was one of the main ways you proved that what you wrote was true, that it really happened. You would include details from eyewitness testimony like that. But there's a deeper meaning to all of that, too. It's a beginning of a new day at the beginning of a new week because Jesus' resurrection marks the beginning of a whole new era. See, Jesus wasn't simply healed from death like Lazarus had been. Jesus wasn't made to be alive again in the very same way he had been alive before. Something much more profound had happened here. Jesus was, you could say, recreated with a new and, and vastly improved resurrection body. Lazarus might have gotten sick again someday. He probably did. And, and he certainly eventually died again. But Jesus was reborn. He was recreated with a, a resurrection body that was no longer subject to sickness or pain or suffering or death. See, Jesus was the firstborn, the beginning of a new creation. That's why his grave cloths were described as lying there in in place. Jesus hadn't been unwrapped by someone else, and and he hadn't unwrapped himself either. He'd passed through those, and the cloths were just left behind, just like an empty cocoon when a butterfly emerges. And like a butterfly, Jesus was still the same person he'd been before, but at the same time, he was also a brand-new creation. So it's a great story, but what difference does it really make for us? You know, it's good information. I'm convinced that it's true, that it really happened. I'm absolutely convinced of that. But how does knowing that change my life today? Well, when Lisa and I were first married, we knew we wanted to have kids. Lisa really wanted to have kids. Um, But it didn't happen right away. It took a few years, uh, and at the time, that felt like forever. If you've ever been in that situation, trying to get pregnant, just time goes on and on. It just feels like forever. But finally, to our joy, Lisa was pregnant. And then four months into the pregnancy, we lost the baby to a miscarriage. I mean, we were absolutely devastated. 
Well, then it took almost as long again uh, to get pregnant the second time. A few months into that pregnancy, we went in together for the first ultrasound. The tech did the scan, didn't say much at all, and then he asked us to go out and wait in the waiting room. And we sat out there for, I think it was at least 10 or 15 minutes just waiting. And then finally, a doctor came in, and he asked us if we were the Mulcahy's. We admitted that we were, to which he replied, Congratulations to the proud parents of twins. I remember my mind just going blank. Took a moment to sink in. <laughs> I mean, we were shocked, to say the least. Elated, but shocked. It was so totally unexpected. But that good news changed our lives. You know, from the moment we heard it, it changed our vision of the future. It changed many of the plans we were making. It changed how we would be spending our money for at least the next couple of decades. It, it changed our world. It changed our lives. All because something amazing had happened. We were having twins. Well, when Jesus rose from the dead, that changed the world too, only a whole lot more. The world changed because something amazing had happened. Jesus had been raised from the dead. In that moment, this world became a different place. It became a world where death no longer has the final word. Instead of this being a world enslaved to futility and hopelessness, this became a world that had been liberated for life. New creation had begun. See, that's the gospel. That's good news, isn't it? Isn't it amazing good news? It's just incredible. And when we put our faith in Jesus and when we live as his followers, that change begins to work in us. New creation begins to work in us, changing us from the inside out, replacing our fears with hope, our anxieties with peace, our selfishness with love. Now, our circumstances may or may not look all that different than they did before. We still may have high-stress jobs and too much to do at home. We still need to learn to manage our money and manage our time and manage our words. We sure don't look or act perfect all of the time. We still fall short of who we know we should be. We still get sick sometimes, just like everybody else. But that change has been set in motion in us, and nothing is going to stop us. Stop it. You know, we, so we can choose every day to live into that new creation reality of who we really are, which is what we're going to begin talking about next Sunday. And having that, that new creation at, at work in us means that we are headed for the same kind of resurrection that Jesus experienced. We're going to one day be raised with the same kind of pain-free, sin-free, sickness-free, death-free body that Jesus already has. And when we're resurrected with those bodies, we're going to see that everything 
has been changed. Everything has been made new. The new creation includes everything. So at the very least, that should help us live with a measure of perspective, don't you think? I mean, this has been a tough year. No getting around. It's been a really tough year that we've just lived through. It would be easy for us to be caught up in fear and anxiety. It would be easy to have gotten cynical about life or maybe even about faith. It would be easy, too, to ad- adopt an escapist kind of faith, as if being a Christian is, is simply about insulating ourselves from the realities of this world and just trying to hang on until Jesus takes us to heaven or comes back, whatever comes first, right? We just want to hang on until then. But the resurrection of Jesus doesn't allow for that. The resurrection of Jesus proclaims the good news that God loves this world. And he's redeeming and restoring and recreating this world. All things are being made new, and we are invited, we are beckoned, we are in fact called to be a part of that happening in this life, in this world, so God's kingdom can come and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen? Yeah. So how has the resurrection changed your life? You know, how is it changing your life today? How do you hope it could change your life? Through the resurrection of Jesus, God calls us to open our eyes to what is really going on all around us despite the way things look. And what's really going on all around us is new creation. God is at work in all things. Jesus is inviting us. He's inviting you to live in that new creation. He's been raised from the dead, and that means all things are being made new, including us, and therefore we can choose to live lives now that are full of hope and full of faith, full of selfless love, full of purpose, full of the confident expectation of God's abundant goodness. The resurrection of Jesus gives you the freedom and the ability to choose that kind of life every day. So live in the new creation. So Jesus, I ask that you'd speak to each one of us now. Show us you know, what, what that new creation life could look like for us. Show us maybe what our next step would be to grow as people who experience and live in that new creation. Open our eyes to the reality of what you are doing in us and where you are taking us. Show us, Lord, the the power of your resurrection in our own lives and give us hope for what you're doing, I pray. Amen.